This episode of the Podular Modcast is brought to you by Recovery Effects and Devices. Quality handmade effects and modules paying homage to classic, synth, and effects designs while innovating for today's studios and musicians. Hello, my name is Tim Held. Welcome to the Podular Modcast, where we stare into the depths of modular synthesis in the hopes that it stares back. Okay, but seriously, guys, welcome to the Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. Today's show is a little bit of an intro, or a, a genesis, if you will. A few things up front, we don't know what we're doing. We've recorded 10 episodes so far, and we've, we, we're mobile, because we don't want people to have to move their synthesizer around, so we're going to have varying degrees of audio quality, uh, just by nature of the different rooms that we're in, and we're trying out different things as we go. Um, I think we've got it locked down, so that's good news. So I keep mentioning we, um, I'm referring to my better half in this endeavor, uh, co-host Ian Price. And for this, this conversation you're about to listen to, he takes over as host and talks to me about where I came up with the idea for the show and what it is in my head right now and what I want it to be. And we also get to know Ian a little bit. Um, Ian was unsure about being the co-host. He was, he kind of agreed to being the occasional co-host and just joining me every once in a while when he had the free time. I really wanted him to do it from the get-go permanently because I love his sense of humor, I love the way his brain works, he's just a delightful weirdo. So he'll he'll be popping in and out for the first few episodes, but I, I think I think he he is settled in as permanent co-host. So after these initial ten are done, he will be showing up more consistently. So of the many things this show is not, um, and probably will never be, is one where the hosts are experts on the topic. Um, I'm relatively new to modular synthesis, and I'm hoping that will lend itself to the character of the show. I'm hoping it's a place where those curious about modular can come and listen to people passionately discuss such an amazing way to make music. I also like the idea of experienced synthesists getting a chance to hear other synthesis perspective um, and philosophy. And philosophy may seem like a strange word to bring into this realm, but it's such a huge part of it for me. I can talk gear all day long and I like to do that, but I've always enjoyed hearing other people tell me about their process and their 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 state of mind and and, and what compels them to create the art that they make, whether it's music or any other kind of art. And I think for, for myself and for many other people as musicians, modular just adds this very strange new parameter to your, you know, songwriter's or producer's brain. Um, and that's why I want to do this show. Will this be a seasonal thing where we do 10 and then take a hiatus to record more and come back? Or will this just be a weekly thing? I really don't know. I, I want it to be the latter, but time's going to tell. But we want you guys to be involved. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your cr- criticisms and critiques. We want to share your music and uh, stories. Um, I've got a lot of different ideas of, of things I'd like to do in the future, but I'm, I'm open to hearing what you have to say. Um, you can get a hold of us at podmodcast at gmail. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get going on this episode. But before we do that, a quick shout out to Kai Parker for our awesome logo, to David Lutz for the song that you just heard fade out, and to The Animals at Night for this amazing theme song. Welcome to the Podular Modcast. My name is Ian Price, and I'm here to discuss the current and future landscape of modular synthesis with you, including the world of artists, the innumerable manufacturers, and where modular is heading, what attracts people to this bizarre, ever-expandable, dare I say, modular world of music. (laughs) In the studio with me, I have Tim Held. I have Tim Held here for a very good reason. Tim started this podcast. So for the inaugural episode, uh, he asked me 
to take over. However, I promise I will be there in the future. Adding in quick little barbs to otherwise productive conversations. <laughs> Tim and I both live in Seattle, and we're sitting in the South Park neighborhood on the Duwamish River. Uh, Tim, if you could give us a brief overview about your life outside of Synthesis and what attracted you to it. It was actually the band Granddaddy that kind of brought me over to the electronic side of music. Hmm. Um, I was very into indie rock and stuff in in college, and then got really into Granddaddy and all the the just all the arpeggiated synthesizers just really attracted me. I just loved what Jason Little did with that sound. So I started um, experimenting with trying to. Basically, I tried to just make Tim Daddy. But it's a it it's bad. a far leap from crossover alt-country to modular synthesis. It is, yeah. So when did you first hear of the world of modular synths? Okay, modular synths. Um, you know, I don't remember when I first heard about modular synthesizers. I, I've, you know, I'd seen all the pictures and videos of the people in the seventies with their, their switchboards and, and all that. And then I played some shows around Seattle and saw some people using them and was always intrigued, but totally confused about what it was. Um, and it wasn't until you gave me the box. Uh. Well, it, it actually is a couple things coinciding. Um, my buddy, Greg Markle, who, uh, runs recovery effects. I, I play in a band with him. Um, Recovery makes wonderful guitar pedals and Euro rack effects. Yep, they're they're kind of blazing a new trail for themselves in the modular world right now and doing really cool stuff. Um, so, I, I w- I've been making electronic music since I moved to Seattle in 2014, um, and so that's I kind of I would have Greg master my albums for me so he he knows my style really well what kind of electronic music i make and he started getting into modular stuff and he just kept telling me you got to get into this you got to get into this and um honestly the the cost of entry kept me away for quite a while Mm, yes um the second piece of that puzzle is my friend uh david lutz me and him him and i um we do film scoring together we've done some cool little shorts with a little group called film vandals for the 48 hour film festival so that's been fun um and he has a awesome modular setup and so just kind of working with him and and letting him uh him letting me mess around on his rig really drove you know drove the nail in um and then again though cost of entry kind of keeping me away because I have so, I have so much gear. I've put so much money into guitar pedals and and everything. I didn't want to start from scratch again. And then you had a bunch of PCB panels and components and stuff that you were just you were ready to get rid of it, and you you passed it on to me. And um, I've built I've built some guitar pedal kits, and I've helped Greg a little bit um, building the recovery stuff. Uh, so I thought I could take it on, but ultimately it just baffled me. So, uh, regrettably, I passed that on to Greg, and he made some of it, and now it's just dispersed all over the world, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, and I, I, I would like to say to all the designers and builders out there, you're doing hard work. You're doing yes. mad science, and we commend you. Everyone that is interested in this world holds you in awe. Mere mortals rarely can encompass the knowledge needed to build, let alone design a module without making some horrendous mistakes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, I've, I've built kits and that just the actual, um, mechanics, you know, the, the, uh, the dexterity that it takes to put all this stuff together and to, and to follow all these, um, all the the schematics and make sure you're doing everything correctly is is a pretty intense undertaking. So 
yeah, definitely hats off to the people who design them. That's just, I can't even, I, that's something that I'll never understand, but I don't need to. I like to play with them. Yeah, and, and for the uninitiated, I, I think it's uh, something good to discuss at this time is what exists in the Northwest. As because there's an interesting ecosystem of modular synthesis here. Uh, I would start off with um, saying that both Portland and Seattle have stores dedicated to synthesis with a huge selection of Eurorack. In Portland, there's Control Voltage, which is um, kind of a trailblazer in a retail market for synthesis. And A trailblazer from Portland, you say? I do. Wow. And Patchworks, started by Tom Butcher, a.k.a. Codebase, and Cindy Reichel, a.k.a. Expert System, mm-hmm. is a newcomer, um, opened up approximately a year ago. In addition to that, we have some manufacturers and designers that are out of both cities. In fact, I, I think it's safe to say that Portland is a bit of an epicenter of, of design. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at Reverb.com right now. Portland is the center of the modular synth world, it says. But um, to go over some of the manufacturers, Weird, W-I-A-R-D, a.k.a. Dark Place Manufacturing, is out of Portland, along with Maleco. And 4MS. In Seattle, we have the Harvest Man. Mm-hmm. We have Matson Mini Modular, which um, was quite a key player for a number of years. Created his own format of uh, quarter-inch or eighth-inch patchable synthesizers that were a series of tiles. Um, if I had to approximate two and a half to three inches wide and tall. And, well, we're missing out on some. <laughs> but it's it's a very well, interesting region to be doing this stuff absolutely. in. Absolutely. Because there's uh, a focus on it that I don't think there is in other places. I, I want to um, just add a few footnotes or, or edits to yeah. what you said. Harvest Please. Man is actually now industrial music electronics industrial music electronics and then also i gotta throw greg in there too uh, recovery effects um pretty new to modular but doing some really really interesting stuff with it um and yeah more to come so well and so tim you have um taken this podcast on as a bit of a labor of love and Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me about your idea behind the podcast? What is it that you hope to accomplish? Okay. Well, first off, I do have to <clears throat> I have to admit that I'm a, a pretty much a noob when it comes to modular synthesizers. I've had my own setup for a few <laughs> Oh man, for the listeners at home, you're really really missing out on my view across the is table a here. Is noob something like a noobile? No, noob is like uh, I think it's it's a it's an online gaming term. It's like you're you're new, you're you're a newbie. I've ne- I've never been a good spectator. I've always been. I have a I have a participant spirit. I would say so when I when I get really into something, I I really really get into it. So I'm relatively new to uh, modular synthesis. Um, so one could say I really have no business doing a podcast about it, but that's part of the goal, um, selfishly and personally. Um, I want to learn more about it. I'm not really great at sitting down and like going through Muff Wiggler or, or any of the other forums. Like I like to talk about it with people. Um, I've also been really, I've always been interested in uh, the community aspect of my artistic endeavors. So uh, I like to make friends with the people in the scene and, you know, to try to play shows with them, but also just to hang out with like-minded individuals. So this is going to be a cool way to just talk to a bunch of people um, starting around town because it's pretty popular here in town, but eventually would like to 
to branch out and start traveling. Like, like we were just talking about Portland. I would love to get down to Portland and talk to some of the manufacturers down there and some of the artists down there. So for me, somebody who loves just listening to good conversations, I love podcasts and somebody who loves modular synthesis. I just feel like this, this needs to exist because I know I'm not the only one that wants to hear, you know, people tell their story um, and kind of their, their philosophy behind modular synthesis, what they like about it, blah, blah, blah. Your phone is on the microphone cord. Um, did, I, did I cover everything in your question? Was that? I think so. And so for the uninitiated as well, let's talk formats. Mm-hmm. Currently. Eurorack is the most widespread format. I think that's very safe to say. And it seems like the driving factor in Eurorack is size. Mm-hmm. It has a, uh, a small footprint, uses 8-inch cables mm-hmm. and jacks, and um, it's somewhat of a relative newcomer to the world of modular synthesis. Mm-hmm. So talking about a few other, uh, other systems, there is... The frac rack system, which was used by Paya and Blassett, uh, Paya being a DIY kit manufacturer reaching back into the 70s. There is the module of the month format, also known as MOTM, which has a 5U tall module height. Um, module of the uh, month was both a manufacturer and a format. Modcan was another uh, manufacturer for that. Buchla, mm-hmm. I think, considered the holy grail by many in the synthesis community, have their own format, which uses banana jacks, which are um, great because they're always stackable. You can mm-hmm. plug three signals into one input. And Buchla has a 4U tall module uh, standard. And then there's also the Moog system, which uses quarter-inch jacks and is, um, well, it was popularized by Moog, but many other manufacturers use this system. And most recently, uh, Synthesizers.com, which offered Mm -hmm. full system assemblies, used this system as a, um, uh, with the selling point of, look, it's big enough that you can actually move it. You can actually do this as a physical performance, <laughs> which I think is a, a concern for working with Eurorack modules. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Beyond that, uh, Surge also used banana jacks with their own system, and Surge is up there with Buchla as a revered, respected, uncompromising uh, source of vision. So... For the most part, the people we're going to be talking to are Eurorack enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, a thought the other day, and I think this is appropriate to bring up, in the world of programming languages. There is the Turing machine test, mm-hmm. which essentially says, can this language do tasks alongside any other language. And there's rudimentary languages that can pass the Turing machine test. In the world of modular synthesis, there's a lot of variation we can hit, but in terms of ecosystems based on manufacturers, you can take a variety of utility modules created by Doper, created by Buchla, and with the right amount of skill and dedication perform the same functions essentially as a module like a Wogglebug or something like a Maths. And that is part of the fascination with modular synthesis for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. You look like you had more to say about that, though, so I don't want to cut you off. No, it's just the thought. Well, I'm butchering some concepts there, but that is the thought. Well, and, and well, one of the things I'm most interested about in the world of modular synthesis is talking to individuals 
and just hearing how they think about it and what they want from it and how they plan to achieve it because everybody has a totally it's like it's like their own personality is coming through how they they feel about what they want to do with modular it's just it's so it's so open ended and it's it has it's so so much room for experimentation and and getting an, an idiosyncratic voice um and i think a lot of the people that i've talked about some of just some of my friends that i've talked about modular with um who i've told about the show they're kind of like well why why would we want to hear people talk about this over and over and it's, it's just not going to be the same conversation every time it's going to be a totally different conversation every time well yeah i agree with that i i have so many angles that i tried to enter modular synthesis from and my interest in it goes back to teenage years mm-hmm. um I've, I've been interested in this world for 20 years uh it took me a decade to even tap the surface of it because of price and difficulty well and availability too just up until a few years ago this stuff was a lot harder to come by and um, you know, a lot of the stuff you might have had to build, but you'd have to source your own parts, and you'd have to you'd have to build it not based off of a build instruction, not a nice laid out PDF that you download that says plug this into this. You know, you had to read schematics. Yeah, this was a, a world for people that already knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and without yeah. um, with no clear sight of $1,500 to put into a modular system. And that will just get you started. (laughs) That'll just get you started. But I I went down the path of researching DIY systems online for hours. Catgirl synths, CGS, U-Synth, Thomas Henry Designs. Um, Some of these, the designers made circuit boards available online that you could purchase CGS, Catgirl Sense, still, still is online and has started to, um, to reissue Surge modules. Oh, wow. One of the coveted synth designers. One of the, uh, the holy trinity, I would say. Bukla, Surge, and? Moog? And Moog. Okay, yeah. Y'all calm down. <laughs> Because I think that Moog actually brought a lot of concepts to people that wouldn't have understood them otherwise. Mm-hmm. Brought the difficulty of modular systems down to a level where something could be user-friendly enough that your musician that didn't necessarily want to know all of the science behind synthesis could start to play around and actually just make something melodic. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Would you say that maybe Moog was like the Steve Jobs and Buchla was the... Oh, I think that's a safe thing to say. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's a painful analogy. Yeah, but you're right. Well, I mean... I don't Moog know. Moog is the gateway. Buchla is the empty frontier and surge is the cosmos <laughs> that's way better than mine so i gotta say right now for the listener um I, I started this podcast or i started the idea of this podcast and um really wanted ian to be my co-host um and you can hear why because he's much better at this than i am but um I kind of twisted his arm into becoming co-host, and uh, I got him back into modular synthesis in the process. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take at least twenty five percent credit for that. Good work. Is that good? Yeah. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Between that and psychological detox. <laughs> yeah. There is yeah. a. Uh, I am very excited for my adventures back into the world of modular. And, and so, I, to spell out my uh, beginnings, if I can. Yes, please. Um, well, because you're, you're, you're just as much of this as I am, I hope. You and me, bud. Just you and me. Yeah. 
We can make it if we try. You just stop recording. Just the two of us. Press pause. It's all right. We're gonna we take, take a little care. break. We can take care of each other. All right, and we're back. So <clears throat> I I purchased Cat Girl Synth PCBs as my first uh, first experiment. I had a cannibalized Hammond M3. The electronics didn't work in it. I took the keyboard out. It had foot pedals. And I found a circuit that was like, here you go. You plug in a bunch of switches, and it'll act as an octave that of of notes. We'll convert it control voltage. Mm-hmm. And so I started off with a foot pedal that output control voltage. Ooh. Circuit worked. It was very simple. I believe it's CGS 10. It's a simple keyboard circuit. Catgirl Sense didn't only um, provide these Buchla reissues that didn't start until a few years ago, but has a range of dozens of their own designs. And Ken Stone, Mr. Catgirl Sense, has a series of logic operators and redesigns of older circuits along with your basic filters, oscillators, envelopes, etc. Anyone listening to this, I, I think you can get stuck perusing Ken Stone's designs for hours, and it's totally worth the time. Pia Synthesis is interesting to me. Pia is a DIY company. P-A-I-A. Mm-hmm. That's the dog drinking water right now, just, just so you know, listener. That's Floby. Floby. The co- co-host. The co-co-host. <laughs> Floby is my co-pilot. <laughs> Where were we at? Paya. Paya. Paya had something I believe came out in 1971 that was the first the first reachable instance of synthesis for many people. It was the 2700 series modular kits. And this was all DIY, but Paya, since this time, has been known for their exceptional customer service. You want to fuck up a circuit and have someone talk you through it on the phone? Guess what? They're your people. That's Big shout great. out to Paya. So, Tim, you have Dovin... Dovin. <laughs> so Tim. Yes. You have started to explore modular synthesis. You mm-hmm. have a Eurorack system sitting here. I do. I see that you have three uh, three racks tall of stuff. So, mm-hmm. what is it that has been most surprising as you have uh, taken modules and tried to build what it is you wanted to hear? What's been most surprising about it? Yeah, when is it that you've found yourself stepping back and saying, Oh, this feels new. Um, I, I really want to try to make really nice, really nice ambient beds. And I thought it would be so much easier than it is. That's been, I thought that would be like the the entry I'll just have fun making all these ambient things and then I'll 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 get better at making cool drum beats as I learn how to do it but it's been the opposite I I can make really cool drum beats right now but I'm having a hard harder time making like actually kind a little this is a little bit a shoot off from what I just said but it I just remembered the hardest thing for me is to make something pretty Something that sounds nice and relaxing. On that note, I think it it's worth giving some credit to the people who have made modular synthesis something melodic and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think Absolutely. there's a few outstanding examples of that. Uh, the first that I find to be very important is Lori Spiegel. Lori uh, was uh, included in the soundtrack to the first Hunger Games, oddly enough, but uh, for anyone who hasn't heard The Expanding Universe, her album from 1978, it is stunning. Mm -hmm. Laurie explored 
computer-generated notation systems. She devised her own educational system, uh, her own music education system for children. Oh, wow. And she is still making music based out of New York City. Hmm. I'd say Caitlin Aurelia Smith has been really fun to listen to. Um, Again, like someone who makes beautiful sounding stuff. And and what I really like about what she does with it um, is it's so hard to make interesting electronic music that isn't dark. Like, I feel like at some point when you, when you, you almost, I feel like a lot of it is so dark because making something that sounds nice and pretty and almost fun, it's, it's just, it's instantly cheesy. She, she does it in a way that is not cheesy at all. It's just super super interesting to me and, and, and she's a, a current recording artist four albums out she she uses bucla system right? she uses a bucla system mm-hmm. um on that note too I, I would like to add i think suzanne siani yeah uh, the, she did an someone, album with her caitlin really smith and her did it and it's a wonderful collaboration mm-hmm. but suzanne uh also is a bucla enthusiast that worked with don and uh, and went on to create many of the sounds used in iconic 80s and 90s advertising. Really? There's a wonderful documentary about film her. about Suzanne Chiani out there. I would love to watch that. I listened to, um, I listened to one of her uh, live performances from the, the 70s the other night. Just going to bed, put, my, put some headphones on and listen to it. And what's been really cool about getting into modular is listening to stuff like that and and trying to figure out what what was she doing there and like being able to figure some of it out but also being totally just totally flabbergasted by oh, some yeah. of it as well absolutely uh, another another pioneer in my eyes is Conrad Schnitzler who was part of Cluster when Cluster was spelled with a K with a name like Conrad, what? Sh- Conrad Schnitzler. Schnitzler. I'm already a fan. As in one who peddles schnitzel. Uh-huh. He is the schnitzler. Um, Conrad Schnitzler created solo albums such as Rot and Blau that were some of the earliest explorations of truly boundaryless electronic music and they can be hard listens yeah pierre boulet was another boucle enthusiast that uh came from uh, you'd say the neoclassical realm and and made some definitive pieces and with that i think it's just worth paying respect to the people that did this work 40 or 50 years ago even uh we are leaving out so many artists. So many people. Yeah. But as a starting point, if someone is interested in modular synthesis and wants to hear some uh, shining examples of what can happen, Laurie Spiegel, Caitlin Aurelia, Aurelia Smith, Suzanne Chiani, Conrad Schnitzler, Pierre Belay. Okay, I want to take, since everything we were talking, well, I don't know everything you were talking about, but we were, we were just talking about making beautiful sounding stuff and nice sounding stuff. Um, I also want to talk about something that's the exact opposite of that. Um, it's a group called the Fox Sopper Duo, and it's Greg Fox, who is a, a pretty, uh, pretty well-known drummer, um, really well-known drummer. Um, and then uh, Ryan Sopper. I don't really know much about them, you know, their their solo careers or anything, but they have this album called Magenta Line, and it's just a modular synthesizer and a drummer. And the way that guy, Ryan Sopper, can use a modular synthesizer to... And it's it sounds like thrash. It's thrash. It is the heaviest... It's like Lightning Bolt. The band Lightning Bolt, but instead of a bassist, it's a modular synthesis. So I bring that up because it's kind of the flip side, and also I gotta tip my hat to being able to make something like Lightning Bolt, 
with a modular synthesizer. And this speaks to kind of what I was talking about earlier. One of the things that's so interesting to me about modular is just how expansive it is. And, and, and with that in mind, I want to ask, mm -hmm. what are the dream interviews with living musicians, designers, manufacturers? Oh, people I'd like to get on the show? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if we're talking like dream, yeah. Um, definitely Caitlin Aurelia Smith would be super, super cool to talk to. Um, uh, shit, I would like to talk to, to Ryan Sopper and, and Greg Fox about the Magenta Line album. Um, You've got to check that out. It's, it's heavy. Um, let's see. I'd like to talk. I don't, I, I should know this. I, I don't know the name names of a lot of the guys who run the manufacturing companies, but I'd love to talk to um, the guys from Make Noise, um, some of the, uh, the people from 4MS, and uh, I just had another one in my head that, oh, and Mutable. I'd really like to talk to some people from Mutable because they do some really interesting stuff. How about you? Who are some of the dream guests for you? I mean, also, Suzanne Ciani would be amazing. Suzanne Ciani would be incredible, as I don't well think as that's gonna Laurie happen. Spiegel. <laughs> I, I think that Laurie Spiegel is um, is someone that, in time, will be recognized as a true pioneer. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to speak to uh, Jans Hoshim Redelius of Cluster, uh, alongside Conrad Schnitzler, who has passed away. Uh, Rodalius actually did a performance at Patchworks last summer. Oh, really? The modular store in Seattle. And was the most uh, beauty-minded member of Cluster. Mm -hmm. The other two members have passed away. And Rodalius is is someone that brought a world of pastoral beauty before New Age ever existed mm -hmm. and has continued to grow his vision all of these years. I would also like to speak to some of the circuit designers out there, such as Thomas Henry, who is a stronghold of the DIY modular community, mm -hmm. and see what brought them to this world because it's easy, easy to say oh you studied electronics in college you understood it this was a hobby but that's that's not what drives someone to build their own designs again and again as a recreational hobby Thomas Henry is one alongside Hexenberger mm -hmm. who no longer designs DIY circuits puts out fully assembled Eurorack modules, but started off making some of the most fearless circuits out there. So let's move on to a segment of the podcast. <laughs> Are we doing this now? That We're doing this now, Tim. So we're done with our podcast? We're done with our, our talking part? Okay. We're done with our talking part. Part of the show that we want to carry on with everyone we speak to is to explore what it is that is a fundamental need to their setup. And with that, I want to ask, if you and your lovely fiancé were living out in the Cascades as you plan, mm -hmm. and you had built an underground bunker with two years' worth of food, and electricity generation with a nice exhaust system. And you received an alert on your phone that North Korea was going to bomb the United States in approximately eight minutes. And you knew beforehand that you had an 84 HP rack with five power connections in your bunker. What five modules would you take with you to help entertain and provide spiritual enrichment over the next at least two years. Okay, I need, I need time. I need clock, right? I'm going to start with my clock. I'm going to bring the Temps Utile. I just got it. It's, um, 
same designer as the ornament and crime. Um, but this is, it's got six outputs. A DIY project. It is. Yeah. I did not build it. I bought it completed, but yeah. Um, so what makes this clock special? Um, six outputs and then it's got four CV inputs that can, it's just, it does so much. So like the CV input, CV one can control, you know, your, your, your time division of, whatever output a is but it could also control um a different parameter of output f so and then there's so there's four of those my next module um of course i'm going to need an oscillator um would i be a total little weasel if i went with the mutable instruments elements mutable mutable instruments elements why that module i actually haven't played with it so i can't really tell you what i love about it yeah that's part of it i mean this is a fantasy module can i i don't have to only have stuff that i have right so you're going to generate some tones with your elements you're going to generate some clock signals what else Mm -hmm. i'm going to get i'm going to bring a maths in there for sure um because i want i really like adsr this will do adr um slope and it actually can go audio rate too, so I can kind of cheat and have another oscillator in there. So you're up to three. So I have three. So Number I have, four. So I have a clock, I have a oscillator, and a function generator. Um, fuck, I only get two more. I'm going to do the tip-top one sampler. A sampler? Yep, I'm going to bring a sampler. Okay. Because I feel like if I only get five, and it's going to be two years... Um, and to top it all off. To top it all off, I'm actually going to bring the cutting room floor from Recovery Effects. So what does the cutting room floor do? It's an effects module, but what type of effects? It is, um, it's, it's kind of, it kind of does a bunch of different stuff, but it, I, I would say, uh, a lo-fi, um, a lo-fi echo, um, or reverb. So you can kind of you can kind of get one you can kind of get a a, a a lo-fi overdriven reverb sound out of it, um, and you can get some kind of ec- it's echoey delay stuff. Um, what I really like about it, though, is what's really really cool is you can also just use it as an overdrive. If you turn the um, the blend knob all the way to your just your dry signal it's actually not your dry signal it's it's like putting it through like a little overdrive pedal um i like noisy i like nasty you know stuff uh so yeah i like noisy and i like nasty yeah too. so what's really co- what i like about that is some so something like the elements i could make that beautiful beautiful sound um that i was talking about earlier but if I if I run it also if I split the signal, I could have my nice one and then slowly fade in my dirty one. Or... All right. Well, that that's a nice uh, insight into what it is that matters to you, <laughs> and keeping in mind what matters to you, I want to present to you your synthesis challenge for the evening. So this will be a recurring segment where we give. Uh, a, a descriptive phrase to our guests and ask them to take their own system and make a patch or a musical piece that fits in with what their interpretation of this phrase is. How did this, uh, how did this segment come to fruition? This segment actually was the, um, the initial idea for the show in general. I was... This was before I even had my own modular setup. This was the 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 stage where I was saving and selling gear and just dreaming literally every night for a month and a half straight before I got my first modules. I fell asleep patching my dream system. Like as I was falling asleep, I was what do I want to get and what would I do with it? So it was just every every I was just consumed. So Hannah, my fiance and I were also consumed with the uh was it Great British Baking Show? The British, I don't, I don't even know the name of the I show. I guess it is. Sure. Yeah, um, that's bad. 
that I don't know the name, but it's yeah, you know, the great the great British baking show with Madame Croissant, <laughs> Mary Barry, and I wish I knew the the two hosts' names because they're just so great. So one of the reasons I don't know the name of the show or the name of the host is because while watching this, I was also on my phone constantly looking up modules. <laughs> so. Um, anyways, we're watching the show and I'm thinking, how cool would it be if there was a TV show where, um, you know, synthesists were given a challenge and then an, an allotted amount of time to, to make a patch based off of some simple instructions or something. Um, I would love to watch that show. And I've always wanted to start a podcast, but never had a real reason to, um, because I love, I love podcasts so much. Um. So I, I was like, well, maybe I could do that as a show. So how would that work? Oh, you get an, I would, I would put uh, a bunch of random adjectives in a hat and a bunch of random nouns in a hat and then just have the guest draw an adjective and noun and then whatever that phrase, you know, whatever, however that moved them, you know, uh, show me on your synthesizer. So Tim, show me. At the suggestion of your listeners, it's time for you to show us a lackadaisical donkey. Oh, you see? <laughs> this donkey oh, no. couldn't give half a shit. Oh, no. Okay. Um, and it might be Shrek-themed, for yeah. all we know. Yeah. Oh, so, Tim, God. why don't you get to work on your patch, and we'll listen to it in a little bit. Okay. Fuck. But before we get to this patch, a quick word from our sponsor. Valetto, one of the most sought-out emerging dance theater companies in New York and Mexico, made a very wise decision in commissioning composer Madeline Kokolis to score their project SOS. This masterfully executed EP is part of a larger dance score in collaboration with Valetto Dance Company for their upcoming Season 4 program. Written and produced from a hospital bed following the birth of her second child, SOS arrives as awe-inspiring as we have come to expect when expecting a new batch of songs from Madeline Kokolis. Go to selfcenter.bandcamp.com forward slash album forward slash SOS to check it out. Tim's working on his lackadaisical donkey, and I just wanted to check in and see how the patching is going and what is uh, what is your signal path right now. Well, it's a mess right now. I'm. I think I've devoted too much time to trying to make a donkey. Um. So my original donkey right now is. Uh, so I've got a, a sample coming from the Bastion Grandpa sampler, um, running into the Recovery Effects Bad Comrade, that is then running into the Dofer Wasp filter, um, and then the CV of the uh, the frequency of the Wasp filter is being controlled by an LFO. So I was trying to get like a, I was trying to make like a, but it's not quite there. <laughs> Well, Tim, I want you to get lackadaisical with this. So, so why don't you work on your patch a little more and we'll check back in in a moment. Hey, Tim, how's that coming along? Well, my time's up, and I'm going to show you what I got. Let's um, go. Do you want to go piece by piece? Do you want me to fade them in, or do you want to hear the whole thing, or what do you, how do you want to do this? You give us <clears throat> you give us your best lackadaisical donkey. We'll take it from there. Okay. So this is me attempting to try to make a donkey noise. Shrek 3 vibes. A little bit. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, for my 
lackadaisical. I thought a cool, weird kick kick beat would be fun. Yeah. this out for a bit. Thank you. Thank you for listening.